Diocese of Churches for the Sake of Others is pleased to present the C4SO podcast, a place to celebrate the voices and values of C4SO. C4SO is a national diocese of the Anglican Church in North America, led by Bishop Todd Hunter. You can learn more about us at c4so.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the C4SO podcast. I'm your host, Ben Sternke. I'm here with Bishop Todd Hunter. How are you today, Todd? Hey, Ben. I'm good. Good to see you. Well, you can't see you today. For everybody who's listening, a little technological glitch today, so I don't get to see Ben's face, but I do get to see Yeah, for some reason, my video is not project. We normally uh, record these podcasts, uh, but but it looks like a video call to us, and so we can see each other's faces. But for some reason, my video is not... uh, Something wrong with my internet connection, but anyway, COVID probs. So good to to hear you, even though I can't see you. Yes, yes. Good to hear you as well. Uh, Well, folks, today we are continuing our new mini-series, which is called Leaders Unplugged. uh, And we are interviewing some of the leaders of our diocese, uh, people that uh, are leading different geographical areas, but also different aspects of the ministry of C4SO, which of course spans the the whole country. We've got people spread out all over the, uh, the states. Uh, just to get to know them, these leaders, and hear about some of the life of our diocese and how uh, various aspects of being a diocese uh, work. So today we're talking with Reverend Trish Nelson, who is our canon for ordinations. Trish, welcome to the C4SO podcast. Oh, Ben, it is so good to be here. You know, I yeah. listen to these regularly, and mm-hmm. uh, I find it really enriching. I especially enjoyed, I was uh, talking to a friend of mine how, and referred uh, them to John Odom's Mm, uh, podcast yes. that he did with you. And that was just, yeah, it was touching and helpful. Yes. And I love that it really does display the people of our diocese in the very best way. People get yeah. to see the the caliber of people that we work with. And I think that's a joy, yeah. such as yourself, Ben, and of course, oh. our dear bishop. Well, thank you, Trish. Now, you, you guys are getting a little bit of a flavor of why it's always such a pleasure to talk with Trish. Uh, yeah, she's see? very complimentary. She's yeah. very encouraging. You come I don't know away about thinking, you, Ben, but I'm blushing already. Yeah, yeah, me too. Trish is great. Um, well, Trish, um, we'll talk a little bit about what ordination is and what a canon is here in a little bit. But maybe just first of all, uh, canoning for ordinations is not the only thing you do. So just introduce yourself a little bit to people who may not be familiar with who you are and what you get up to. Hmm. Well, I've been married for 38 years to my uh, husband, Grant. We met in junior high. Uh, He just (laughs) stole my heart. He was in a, uh, he's a thespian, so he was in a play, and I saw him in a play, and I just knew when I saw him that I was going to marry him. That, when I say that on, out loud, it makes him uncomfortable, but I just, (laughs) I just knew. Now it's out Uh, there in the podcast world. (laughs) (laughs) He was uh, an IT genius for a lot of years, and then he retired, and now he trains dogs in homes. So he uses all of his uh, training skills to do that. And so that's just a joy. He's a photographer and he restores matchbox cars. So he's just a really, you don't hear that. He's like a Renaissance man. He is a Renaissance man, which makes life, um, as Bishop Todd would say, it's very rich and full. (laughs) Um, I have a wonderful 33 year old daughter who's also a corporate trainer and in a big mammoth security firm. And I have a 31-year-old son who is a self-taught computer coder that now works for a media company. Hmm. And I have a 10-year-old grandson uh, that my daughter gave up for adoption when she was younger. And I don't get to see him very often, but I'm terribly smitten with him and his family. 
And likewise, I have a four-year-old grandson that lives in town that I get to see a lot more of. Um, and that is probably the delight of my life right now. I didn't expect to be that kind of a grandma, but I have mm. become that kind of a grandma. <laughs> and if you were here, I would take you through my wallet with all of my snapshots, Ben, and yeah. we would do that entire yeah. that entire uh, riff. Yeah. But um, I'm 60 years old, so we'd be here all day with my story. Um, it, it's the age where it goes from being a story to being like a saga or an epic. Yeah. So I've been at Christchurch for 27 years. I'm uh, the executive director here and okay. one of the priests on staff. Um, I started out here 27 years ago as a volunteer, and then uh, my senior pastor and boss, Patrick Wildman, hired me to be the children's ministry director, and then I was the director of youth ministry, and then I was the director of administration, and then I became ordained, and now I'm the executive director. I love wow. to read and write, and uh, I'm, I'm enamored of sci-fi. Um, I love to walk oh. my dog, and I love the daily routines of life. Wow. Yeah, Ben, that, if you think it's nice for Trish to talk about you, wait till you get an email from her one day. <laughs> she is a writer. Yeah, yeah. I, I do, I've, I've received several emails from Trish. We, we've talked about ordination. We have several people oh, in, that's right. so in the you, pipeline. You, you and so we, the, we, I get emails from Trish as well, and I yeah. look forward to every single one of them. Um, that, uh, I love that introduction, uh, Trish. And you're talking about Christ Church in Overland Park, Kansas, just for those who don't, don't know, which is the Kansas City area. Um, do I have that right? Overland Park? Is yes, that what you it's do. Called? Overland yeah, okay, Park. Right. It's a beautiful suburb of the uh, of Kansas City on the Kansas side. Uh -huh. um, I was born and raised here, so I've lived here most of my 60 years. And it mm. is a beautiful part of the country that is uh, welcoming and friendly. And I think that it has a certain kind of, oh, an ethos, if, it will, if, if you will. You know, you might have it, too, where you are, uh, Ben, just kind of a Midwestern. Mm -hmm feel mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, I've lived on both yeah. coasts, and it's like a great vortex. The friendship <laughs> and, and love of yeah. this part of the country just kind of yeah. keeps sucking you back, and so yeah. here I am. Yeah, well, that's great. Uh, what, this is a side note, but I'm, I'm into sci-fi as well, but what, what sci-fi are you currently enamored with? Is it, is it oh. mainly movies? Is it books? What are you oh, into? Oh, I love it all, my friend. Uh, <laughs> Dennis Taylor wrote a beautiful uh, series of books based on the Babaverse, uh, oh. First one's called Legion. I completely recommend that. Okay. I'm reading right now Name of the Wind, which is a fantastic oh. quill winner. Mm -hmm. um, I love anything Star Trek, the original series. Okay. And uh, Captain Kirk made it possible for me to come to faith. Um, oh. My parents split up when I was young, and I did not have a benevolent father figure uh, oh. to even associate with... Uh, all of the ways that God refers to himself as Father. Yeah. Uh, so Captain Kirk kind of stood in that stead for me. Really? Wow. Yes. And <laughs> I, had, I had a very difficult time separating uh, art from artist and went on to love all of uh, William Shatner's music. And He's his, quite a character. Yeah. <laughs> and his written fiction. Yeah. And um, I actually visited mm -hmm. him at Comic-Con, and I have a beautiful 8x10 of him and uh, my husband and I. Wow. He's, a, he's a lot of fun. He's a lot wow. of fun. Wow. Well, this just—you're uh, getting more and more interesting uh, as the minutes go on here. I just so, want you to ben, keep talking I, about your I life. I was gonna—I was sorry, Ben. I was gonna announce this later, but it sounds like this is the moment that, yes, uh, C4SO is soon to be branching out into ordaining aliens. That's, yeah, that's why we I hired Trish. Is I knew she could lead us into a galactic 
yeah. form of uh, yeah. coordination. Oh, well, don't we want the kingdom to prosper? So live long and prosper, <laughs> yeah. dear yeah. Bishop Todd. Yeah. All right. Well, um, <laughs> thanks for that introduction. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep thinking about a lot of those things. Um uh, for quite a while. Um, so, a canon, uh, we've talked about this earlier, uh, we had our canon theologians, a couple of them on the podcast, and a canon is just a person uh, within the diocese who has a special job. Yes, um, you make a lot of noise, you have pretty yeah. lousy aim, and right. you get one right. shot. Yes, yeah, because yes. there's only one N in the middle there, there's not two <laughs> N's. And so, but yeah, so you're the canon for ordinations. Um, maybe just, I find your story interesting as well, because obviously you started uh, in lay ministry and were eventually ordained and now uh, function as a, a priest. Um, but what, uh, what is, um, this may be a big question, but what is ordination in the Anglican tradition? What's the difference there between someone who operates as a lay minister and someone who is called to holy orders and ordained? Well, that's a really good and rich question, Ben. That would be a long time talking about that. But mm-hmm. I think that, that what I would want to say about ordination in C4SO uh, to holy orders is when someone in a uh, in a role in a church or in a community uh, where you can see the fruit of proven ministry of what they're doing um, and in our particular uh, calling I think calling to be uh, church planters right mm-hmm. um, it's when you see someone who is acting in a way that is inspired by the Holy Spirit uh, is doing some work that is resulting in proven fruit, right, where you get to see them. And so mm-hmm. ordination in C4SO is us coming alongside that person, recognizing that God is very busy doing something for the benefit of his kingdom, and exploring and discerning the call that person has on their life, uh, not only to serve God as he is calling them, but to be amongst our community and work in uh, the specific calling that I think our diocese has, which is one of uh, kingdom-minded, mission-focused, spirit-led church planting and leading more and more people to know Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a a focus, a couple things that I noticed in what you said there. The um, The focus shifts a little bit from being mainly focused on the local parish to being focused a little bit more widely on the local, yes, the local parish, but also the diocese and the work of the diocese. And there's a relationship with the bishop, obviously, because uh, bishops ordain people. Um, uh, and so those are those are a couple things that I heard there that shift for people if they're called to holy orders. Yeah, one of the things that is true about the uh, Anglican way of life is that uh, the late we have a high value on ordination, but we also have an incredibly high value on uh, the non-ordained or the the laity of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, the liturgy means the work of the people, and uh, in the Anglican way of life, everybody has a role. Mm. So, uh, to my mind, everyone has a personal call when they come to faith. They uh, Jesus has a plan for them and a, and a role for them to play and yes. is gifted them to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a group of people who he calls to offices in the church um, 
who have gifts in that regard. So looking at Bishop Todd, you can see that his shepherding skills and his administrative gifts and his ability to distill big ideas into articulate comments that help all of us uh, thrive and lead well mm. um, gifts him to be the leader that he is for our diocese. Mm. Um, my boss is a senior pastor, Patrick Wildman, and he has shepherding gifts and leadership chops that uh, God blessed him with. Um, and then he put, uh, God put him in charge of this local expression of a C4SO church at Christ Church. Hmm. And then deacons come alongside and they represent Christ to the, not, they, they uh, bridge, if you will. Uh, they display Christ to the world, so they make the church uh, aware of the needs of the community, uh, mm -hmm. but also can serve in our uh, wider community. So one of the deacons that we have here at Christ Church, her name is Mel Clymer, and she's been here for years. But she's a registered nurse, and she has a full-time gig outside of her work here. Um, yeah. But then she comes over and serves on uh, during our worship services, but she also helps out with our pastoral care hmm. and serves in that regard. So God's uniquely wired her. Uh, to mm. serve in both of those ways. So there's ordained ministry, but there's also, as we've, I think you and I have discussed, the priesthood of all believers. Yeah. Um, everybody has a part to play. And um, in C4SO, I think our diocese is specifically called to something very special. And I did want to say this. Um, I want it to be really clear that when I talk about uh, the process of ordination at C4SO now, um, it's because of this clear calling that I think our diocese has to plant churches. Hmm. And so that's why we ordain men and women who are either part of a thriving C4SO church that's going to be planting churches, mm -hmm. or we come alongside someone who has gathered up a crew and is ready to plant a church. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I think that um, that focus and that strategy um, is so helpful is... Um, because it gives us such great focus. Mm -hmm. Now, in doing that, it can sound like I'm saying that um, other dioceses that don't do it this way um, are, don't have it going on. And I want to say that is unequivocally not true. Um, I think C4SO is unique in its calling. Mm -hmm. And those uh, the vision and values that Bishop Todd has given us give us a great filter for how we approach ordination in our diocese. Hey everyone, welcome to the C4SO Cycle of Prayer Spotlight, where we highlight the specific ministry or ministries that we're praying for this week in our diocesan cycle of prayer. We're still in catch-up mode, so we've got a couple different spotlights for you uh, on this episode. And the first one is that we're praying for Cornerstone Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, led by the Reverend John Odom. And he's joined us uh, here to share briefly about what's going on and how we can pray specifically for them. John, welcome back to the C4SO podcast. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> Glad to be here. Yeah, we had an earlier episode uh, with John. John joined us as a guest uh, for uh, part of our Advent series in a episode that was actually uh, mentioned, uh, the episode that this is going to be released with uh, is with Trish Nelson. And she mentioned that episode specifically, John, as one mm -hmm. that was uh, particularly meaningful for her. So mm -hmm. that'll be linked in the show notes if anyone's interested. Um, so, John, tell us one thing that you're encouraged by right now um, in terms of what's happening at Cornerstone. 
Yeah, the word that comes to mind is resilience. Mm. Uh, it's been a it's been an especially tiring year with COVID for everyone, and we've had some some unique challenges. Uh, but I'm, I'm thankful that our people have been resilient, mm. uh, and God has provided uh, really generously uh, for us. Our people have have been worshiping on the lawn. We've been worshiping online, and uh, as last year ended, we were notified that we needed to find a new place to gather, Ooh. and so. With a spirit of adventure, we kind of looked for the next thing, and the Lord has uh, just miraculously provided a new space for us that's larger and it's great location and it's a similar cost. And uh, so, I'm encouraged by our people. I'm encouraged by how the Lord has provided uh, space for us, and we anticipate being able to physically gather uh, with social distancing and all the proper protocol uh, a week from now, February seventh really? for us. Wow, that's amazing. That's incredible. I know those uh, those concerns about uh, where to, where to meet space, especially if you don't uh, own a place. Uh, that could be pretty nerve wracking <laughs> for church planters. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, how about uh, one challenge that you're facing right now in the midst of all this? Besides needing to find a new place to meet, but that sounds like that challenge been challenge challenge has been met. Yeah, the Lord answered that uh, really generously for us. I think the over, overall challenge is uh, is just a spirit of weariness after mm. the election cycle and COVID and, and having to be in constant adaptation mode. Yeah. You know, families with uh, school going online or going in person, you know, having to do so much last minute uh, uh, just adjustment. So I think for, for our staff at times and also for our church, a sense of like of weariness uh, and in, in many ways, I think we've been missing the emotional, emotionally resetting uh, factor that is in-person worship, gathering with other believers, <laughs> just hearing folks sing. So the challenge yes. we're facing is just e- exhaustion and yeah. weariness in the absence of a kind of resetting gathering, though I do anticipate that changing yeah. soon. Yeah, that's wonderful that it's changing soon for you guys. I um, I haven't thought about that in that in that way before that being together in person with other believers is a resetting uh, kind of thing. I think that's I think that's right. Everything kind of merges together when it's all online and all on screens. It all kind of just feels like one thing. I miss going to church. You know, <laughs> the discipline yeah. of good old going to church. You know, last yeah. week we watched the online service with two other families that we're close to. Mm-hmm. And in the past, we would just watch the service, watch people singing songs. But this week, we sang along. Mm-hmm. And hearing my children and hearing my friends sing last week, I just cried. Yeah, <laughs> and wow. I longed for the the day to hear many more people sing, singing and worshiping together. Yeah, Amen. Well, in light of all this, how can we pray for you and for Cornerstone? Yeah, the the biggest prayer I would have for our church right now is is asking God for a spirit of prayer. Mm-hmm. So. We have, we have had John 15, 5 as a touchstone passage for us as a church. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And while we've had a lot of efforts to train each other to pray and gather for prayer, I'd say our prayer life as a church has been just a steady candle. And a steady mm. candle can still set a forest on fire, but mm. uh, I think there's a, an, an eagerness, a restlessness for that to be more um, for us not to just be good strategists together, um, but to yeah. really rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're asking for a spirit of prayer, a renewed commitment to pray, and uh, a renewing experience of prayer. Wonderful. Well, that's great, uh, John. Appreciate uh, you sharing all of that. Um, thanks for joining us. 
My pleasure. Thanks so much. If you'd like to find out more about Cornerstone Church or contribute to their work, check out the link in the show notes. And our other Cycle of Prayer Spotlight ministry for this week is St. John's Anglican Church in Orinda, California. They are actually in a a little bit of a transition right now between rectors. And so the dean of NorCal, the very reverend, Rob Patterson, (laughs) has uh, joined us on the spotlight here to talk a little bit about um, St. John's. So, uh, Rob, welcome to the C4SO Cycle of Prayer Spotlight. Thanks so much for having me. I love that you sort of chuckled after very reverend. Very we were, reverend. Yes. As we were yes. mentioning yes. before that typically <laughs> I like to go by the barely reverend. The barely reverend, yes. <laughs> we uh, we have made uh, some jokes in a recent episode about all the little titles that people get uh, when they become, you know, canons or deans or bishops or archbishops um, and all that kind of thing. So anyway, we're we're just we're poking fun, um, even though I do think of you as very reverend, Rob, in my in my heart. So. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. So, Rob, uh, as you think about St. John's, um, what's one thing that you are encouraged by right now? Well, I'm very encouraged in how the Lord has been providing for St. John's. As you mentioned, St. John's mm-hmm. is in a bit of a transition right now. They are in need of a. They're a small congregation in need of a rector to move the church forward in mission. They have a strong desire to, to grow in mission and to, to grow in reaching out. And, and in this last year, the Lord brought to the area uh, a man named Bishop Louie from Rwanda. Hmm. And he has been, uh, he came out to California to f- work on a PhD uh, because his diocese is starting a seminary or a college, I forget which, in Rwanda. And so he's getting his PhD so that he can be working at, uh, at that institution once it's begun. Okay. And he has been serving uh, the people of St. John's during this last year. And as they've had a heart for mission and for reaching out, he's just been such an encouragement to them in being able to, one, be their pastor for this time, but also, especially with his perspective coming from Rwanda, I know his story in particular about how he weathered the genocide and and the kind of work that God needed to Mm. do in his own heart in order to forgive. Like this kind of just really um, Mm. amazing work of the Holy Spirit in his own life has been really inspiring for the people of St. John's. And so Bishop Louis' presence has been a huge encouragement for them and for me and has been really... um, really wonderful for their community. Oh, that's great to hear. Um, how about one uh, challenge that St. John's is facing right now? Well, the challenge, of course, I think for them is that they do need a permanent rector to mm-hmm. kind of help uh, initiate a relaunch. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's 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 probably the challenge. Again, the good news, however, is that uh, Bishop Louis's presence <clears throat> has been instrumental in raising up a potential um, a potential clergy member. There's somebody at St. John's who is just now entering the ordination process with C4SO, mm-hmm. and Bishop Louis has been mentoring him over this last year. Mm-hmm. And so 
it seems that maybe, I don't want to jump ahead of where God is, but it seems that maybe the Lord has used Bishop Louis' encouraging presence to potentially meet that great challenge hmm. that St. John's has to provide a leader for them in the, in the, in the future. Hmm. That's great. And very apropos, this episode is actually all focused on ordination. Uh, Trish kind of takes us through the whole uh, process. So, oh, cool. Um, lovely real-life example uh, of mm-hmm. someone entering in uh, to that process. Uh, in light of all this, Rob, how can we be praying for St. John's right now? I would love if we could all be praying that the Lord would continue to guide the people of St. John's in their growth in mission and um, their heart to reach out, give them opportunities to share their faith and to have kind of like God appointments with folks. Hmm. I'd love if we could pray for Bishop Louis as he's doing his studies and uh, and as he's serving the people that he would be continue to be a, a, a great help and spiritual leader for, for the community. And also for this new person who's entering the ordination process for the Lord to make very clear by his Holy Spirit if, in fact, this person is the right leader for St. John's into the future. And uh, if so, wonderful. And if not, that the Lord would provide someone else who is that perfect leader for them. Excellent. Well, thanks for joining us, Rob. Appreciate hearing a bit more about St. John's. And, you bet. And uh, your ministry there uh, in NorCal. Uh, If you, listener, would love to hear more about St. John's or to contribute to their work, check out the link in the show notes. Uh, You mentioned bishops and priests and deacons, which is, you know, sometimes called the threefold order of ministry. Those are the those are the orders of ministry that people can be ordained to. Um, and it goes in that order, right? Um, that you're, you're first ordained as a deacon, typically. Uh, and then uh, if you're called to it, ordained as a priest. And then uh, again, if you're called to it at some point, maybe ordained to as a bishop. Um, I remember this is a, just a side note, but I remember um, in, in relationship to your comment, uh, Trish, about the relationship of the priesthood of all believers to like having priests, um, I remember an Anglican bishop one time telling me that his experience of becoming a bishop felt to him like he was becoming more and more constricted or restricted um, in his in his ministry as he as he uh, sort of became ordained uh, up up to bishop. Where he said, like as a lay person, I was you know just free to minister, you know, to be in the world and to you know that that kind of a thing. And then as a deacon, there was more constriction. As a priest, there was more. And then as a bishop. He was like, there's even more. Um, and so there's a sense in which, um, I, there's a sense in which I, I hear you saying the relationship there is that I think when, when uh, ordained ministry is working well, it empowers lay ministry. It empowers the priesthood of all believers. Uh, it, it creates a, a, an atmosphere, uh, a place where ministry can thrive throughout the whole body. Uh, not a place where it sort of holds on to ministry or holds on to power, um, even though that sometimes obviously does uh, happen um, in churches. Yeah. So, One yeah. of the things I liked about what you just said is that um, when they were talking about how they felt constricted, mm-hmm. how I heard that was they have become more focused. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Jesus has, you know, it's such a big kingdom and there are so many needs yeah. And um, an old 
a wise person once told me that I don't get to live in my bliss, right? Mm. So part of it is I don't, I don't get to just decide what I want to do as my role in the kingdom. I am guided by um, how God has equipped me or uh, is calling me. And yeah. I listen to him through the voice of my bishop, through the mm. voice, voice of my senior pastor. Mm. And so I have, become, I have become more and more focused uh, yes. each year of my ministry. And it can mm-hmm. feel, I guess, more constricting. Yeah. Uh, but I love that I have fences. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I'd be back in the halls, sitting on the floor, playing with kids in children's ministry. <laughs> and yeah. you know, I wouldn't be able to, to talk to all the people that I get to talk to about ordination. Yes. So... Yeah, um, yeah I, I hear that. I did want to talk about uh, one of the things that you said about how first you become a deacon and then you become a priest. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's been something interesting that I've seen at, especially in C4SO, um, because we have such a lot of church plants mm-hmm. and they need to have a singular leader because of cost and, and sustainability. They don't often have the role of both the priest and the deacon evidenced mm. for those people for their people or for yeah. the people of our diocese. Yeah. But those are really particular offices, and the deacon isn't really a junior priest. Yeah, uh, the deacon has its own very uh, special calling. And as again, I think of the priests and the deacons that we have here at Christ Church, and deacons really do uh, bless the church in ways that are very focused to Mm -hmm. spanning that bridge between the church and the world. And they make it possible for senior pastors and rectors to do the job that they have, which is equipping their church Mm. and the people in it to do the ministry that God has called them to. So uh, making that a mindful, uh, the vocational diaconate is also a, a holy calling. Yes. Yeah, that's our situation. I mean, just personally right now at our church is we don't have a, we don't have anybody that um, is a vocational deacon or somebody that feels called to um, sort of filling that role um, as opposed to um, transitional deacon, which is obviously the other one that is uh, discerning holy orders uh, to the priesthood. Uh, as well, so so anyway, I'm I'm all for that as well. For us, for us, <laughs> and for every uh, C4SO church uh, to have both of those ministries uh, expressed on the local level, I think would be really helpful. That's been really one important. of my prayers when I when I stepped into this role is to make that uh, more known in our yeah. community. Yeah, you know, Ben, from a like a C4SO value point of view, <clears throat> the way I've always held this in my head is that the thing itself is the priesthood of all believers. You know, Mm -hmm. one head, one body, right? One baptism, you know, that Pauline saying. Um, And so that which is essential or foundational or the basis is the body of Christ who is the head. Mm. That one indivisible body is the thing. Out of that thing are called bishops, priests, and deacons, or in other tribes, other language. And their role, if you think of especially of Ephesians 4, like Paul Paul uh, imagines the gift of evangelism as equipping the whole church to do evangelism. Yes. So whatever we are, we're not the thing, mm-hmm. and lay people are some sort of secondary status. There's yeah. a sense in which we're all an individual, indivisible part of the one thing, just with unique 
uh, callings and giftings to operate within and for um, that one thing. And so I want to say that I think one of the reasons that um, uh, Anglican and Episcopal churches and others like them have not always grown very well, I mean, it's no secret that most Episcopal and Anglican churches are small, especially Episcopal churches are, are shrinking. I don't, I don't know that much about uh, the, the sort of the graph of Anglican churches. But if I was betting my last buck just as a consultant, I would say it's that what can happen is where you have a priest cast, and I don't mean that unkindly, um, and you think that the heart of Christian ministry is the performance of the Eucharist on Sunday morning, that leaves no imagination for the average layperson to be deployed as an ambassador of the kingdom in their actual everyday life. And then therefore, of course, things like evangelism and healing and justice and all that just sort of die on the vine. Hmm. Now, I'm aware that that's a bit of a caricature, but it's not meant unkindly and it's not far off from the truth. Right, right. And we just have to be careful that we don't inadvertently become a caste you know, yes. where we're the priest cast and they're the they're the lower cast. I mean, I just think yes. a huge job of those of us who are ordained is to stimulate the life of the kingdom and the gifts of the spirit in everybody in the congregation. Yes, yeah. To to really, that's a good word uh, to to make sure that. Um, and that's a good word, maybe even for those who are maybe contemplating, you know, discerning holy orders, um, or those who are listening who are already ordained to holy orders, just to be aware that that's a very you know, I mean, even back, I'm thinking of 1 Corinthians, the first few chapters, right? Even back then, there was this heady temptation to sort of create a little fan club for ourselves, and, yeah. and people want to attach themselves to our celebrity status or, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, but realizing our call is to to bridge those connections, you know, between the Eucharist table and then the kitchen table um, to, to make yeah. sure people understand that this is this is a participation in the ministry of Christ that continues beyond the table. We extend this table out into right. the world. Yeah. And some of our listeners would know this, others wouldn't. That if you want to run that out a little bit, what uh, Ben was just talking about, our, our mutual friend, uh, David Fitch, has done quite a lot of thinking about what does it mean to extend yes. the, the, the invitation of Christ around the table um, outside of the church. Yes. And so if you just Googled that, um, you'd find articles and... Um, Shoot, Ben, the title of his book just went out of my head. Uh, what's the title yeah, I'm, of his I'm book? turning around trying to look at my bookshelf to figure <laughs> it out. It's something about the, the oh man. It's not Faithful Presence, is that's it? That's it, that's it, Faithful okay. Presence. Yeah, okay. he talks about it there. Yeah, that's uh, that's been a helpful framework for me as well. Uh, and a good word uh, for us. Um, I wanted to ask you this, uh, Bishop Todd, while, we're, yeah. while we've got you. Um, what is it about uh, Trish, besides w w what we already know, but what is it about Trish that made you think, you know what, uh, I need somebody to help me with ordinations. I'm going to ask Trish. Yeah, I think the single most important thing was her innate, instinctual, uh, like gut level understanding. And she's like a carrier of the disease of our values. <laughs> um, she, yes. She's like infected and she... Uh, she carries it. That was probably the number one thing is that I had a confidence that that her understanding of C4SO values, she could then create an ordinary, uh, a system of ordination hmm. and, a, and a set of relationships, you know, that, you know, 
this ordination thing is highly relational. Yes. Not just between me and the ordinand or Trish and the ordinand, but deans and rectors and mm-hmm. parish discernment committees, et cetera, et cetera. So this is actually a highly relational process. And mm-hmm. I, I just had this hunch that Trish could um, like baptize that process uh, into our values. Yeah. The second thing is, as she said in her opening, she has been an Anglican a long time. I mean, by, by yeah. two and a half times longer than me. And so I, I knew that she would um, be able to like thread the needle of holding our uniqueness without us becoming like so unique that we're like not Anglican or something. Mm. And and I mean that totally jokingly that she like, <laughs> she gets, she gets the structure, she gets the history, she gets, you know, she gets all that stuff. Yeah. And I think is able to hold it in a really good dynamic tension with our, um, our unique values. And, and for listeners who may not understand what I mean, I just mean the value of the kingdom, the leadership of the spirit of, yeah of uh, like a, a missional clergy. Um, I often say that um, like, I don't want a, a lot of yes people. I want like passionate colleagues who care about doing ministry uh, in the church and in the world. Um, and so that's what I mean, just like holding sort of traditional Anglicanism in mm-hmm. it, not intention, I don't know what, in harmony with our um, stated values such that the outcomes of this are people who not just can pass canonical exams or even pass their classes in seminary, but that right. the um, if if our ordination system was like one of those Play-Doh machines that Trish, you and I had when we were kids, Ben's probably too young. You know, <laughs> no, you I had put, one of those. You, are you talking about the one that squeezes the Play-Doh out of the? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you make spaghetti. You put, yeah, you yeah. put yeah, a little yeah. Play-Doh I in and push that. it, and out you get spaghetti or rope oh, or whatever. Yeah. I just had this intuition that Trish would know how to dump. Uh, an appropriate connection to Anglicanism together with our values and out the other end would come people who I was going to say not just can pass exams, but can actually do ministry uh, in the world. I love that visual. Yes, that's exactly what I do, Ben. Right, like a little little orange Play-Doh mixed with a little purple Play-Doh and out the end comes orange and You designed the the ordination machine, uh, so (laughs) to speak. Oh, that's Uh, so fun. Well, you know, one of the things that um, most people probably don't know is that Todd and uh, has a rich history uh, at Christ Church in Overland Park. Uh, we hmm. are an Alpha Church, so we've given we've done the Alpha course uh, oh, out yeah. of okay. Holy Trinity Brompton three yeah. times a year for the last almost thirty years. Hmm. And um, in fact, my husband came to faith on the Alpha course. His parents hmm. came to faith on the Alpha course, uh, oh, wow. and Todd was uh, he headed up Alpha North America for a while, and so that's where I first met Bishop Todd. And uh, that was a, a great joy. But I was—I actually had a mini version of the role that I have right now uh, in the ordination pipeline uh, when C4SO first got founded. That's right. Wow. And so huh. when I was looking at our last uh, clergy retreat, when we were all able to meet in person. Oh, gosh. And I know. Remember oh, that? Oh, <laughs> looking so forward Mount to being Herman, able to do right? that uh, uh, yes, again. Yes, me too. Me too. Um, but when I looked and saw what God had done in and through the men and women of this diocese and how he was uh, very systematically, it mm. feels like, uh, brilliantly gathering together this tribe. And, you know, as you, as you mentioned, we're national as opposed to geographically located. 
And so our greatest strength is that we're all connected by these values that we hold so dearly. Mm. Um, And the greatest strength is also our greatest weakness that we can't gather the way that we would like to, I think. But um, Bishop Todd has has, uh, been instrumental in instilling these. I don't get these values because I just get these values. I get these values because my bishop has been intentional and mindful to uh, be very clear in Mm. his uh, discussions, in his way of being, in his modeling of these, of the vision and values, so that Mm. it's easy to uh, get infected, as he's as he so put it, and, and become a super spreader, as he called it. That's the word I was looking goal. for, Ben. I'm going to use spreader. my Play-Doh machine to become Tr- a super, super spreader. spreader. Yes, right. Trish is a one-woman super spreader event. Yeah. Uh, so for, if we want our, our listeners to take something away today, mm-hmm. it's the super spreader analogy and the Play-Doh analogy. Yes, yes, okay. Play-Doh super spreader. Got it. That's what ordination is all about. I couldn't be more proud right now. <laughs> That's good. Well, uh, as we wrap things up here, um, Trish, one question for you, and then uh, Bishop, um, I'm going to ask, I, I, th- I asked you to pray at the end of the last uh, episode. I think mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you to pray again at the end of this episode, just for okay. those who are um, sure. discerning uh, holy orders right now. Uh, but Trish, uh, actually two questions for you. One, what, how can people be praying for those in our diocese who are called to or discerning holy orders right now? What is, what is it that people who are entering into this process, what do they need um, in particular right now? I could go in so many different directions with that question. What I would want all of the people in our diocese to feel is valued and loved and supported in whatever call they are sensing. Hmm. Uh, so through any hmm. discernment process, that they would that they would know that we are privileged to walk with them as mm-hmm. they go through mm-hmm. these discernment processes. And whether the answer is you know deacon or priest or uh, a member of the laity, that their call is uh, precious uh, yes. to all of us. Yes. I would want them to uh, know that there's a vocation attached to their ministry, that there is a way that we will be relationally connected. So praying for uh, the relational, vocational, and connection of all of the people that God is calling uh, to serve in this diocese mm. so that they would all have that kind of ethos, uh, that that kind of uh, experience would spill out into the people that they minister to, mm. that we would all be... Uh, relational, uh, doing our work and being connected and pouring into one another um, Mm. as we do this work. Because, you know, uh, joy is one of my favorite gifts of the Spirit uh, Mm. that comes from when you're in convergence or when you're actually doing the the work that you are called to do. And I want everyone to be able to experience that sense of joy when you know that you have been called to a job and it fills you up to do it and it gives you joy and laughter and it's not just so you get joy and laughter it's so that you can spread that to other people uh in a world that is oh needs that so much Hmm. um so yes so that would be what i would want great um real quick what are you as you think about 2021 it's just getting underway here what are you looking forward to or hoping for praying for 
Do you know one of the most interesting uh, perks of this job during 2020? One of the ways that I think that God really redeemed um, our ordination process during that year was the relationships we got to build with other dioceses. So we had other bishops who would help stand in the stead because of COVID guidelines where Bishop Todd couldn't travel to somewhere yeah. or an ordinand couldn't travel out of their city. Yeah. We would have a, a bishop who would step into uh, to cover for Bishop Todd and ordain people on his behalf. Hmm. And that happened several times. And that has been a joy to have the... Um, all of our uh, the people in the Anglican Communion rally around um, together. And mm. so I think that I hope is that we would somehow be able to continue uh, blessing other dioceses as we go about our uh, go about our work. Excellent. Trish, thanks for uh, being with us today. Really appreciate hearing a bit more about you and about your heart. and I think our listeners uh, will be um, greatly benefited. Well, uh, I'm a big fan of your podcast, Ben. Thank you for oh. asking me. And as always, Bishop, it is a delight to spend time with you. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. My pleasure. All right. Well, Todd, would you uh, pray for pray for those who are discerning holy orders, those called to holy orders, and but as we've been talking about on this episode, also then by extension, the ministry of our churches across yeah. this diocese? So I think I want to do so by... Um, Yesterday here in Franklin, we ordained two new priests, um, mm. A.J. Sherrill, who uh, replaced Bishop T.J. at St. Peter's, and uh, Matt Brown, who is uh, um, somebody who uh, was adopted in from the Presbyterian world, and Matt's in Brooklyn. Okay. And as we were doing the service yesterday, I was, I was just reminded that, you know, the readings for the ordination of a priest are as Isaiah 6 where he is sent. Yes. And then we read Luke 10, where Jesus sends out the 72. Um, and so I would first want everybody listening to this who's thinking about holy orders or who is a rector or a clergy person guiding uh, people in their local settings to think about this, that one of the big things I would like them to think about is to whom or to where are you sent? Because sentness is just right at the heart of, I think, just basic, um, you know, Christian theology. Yeah. But it's core to the um, the diaconate and to the priesthood. Mm. So I'd like everybody to be thinking: to whom, or to where are you sent? And then the psalm we read. I, I love this. is a, It's a snippet from Psalm one nineteen, where the psalmist is praying: "Teach me, give me, lead me." Incline my heart, turn my ears, confirm to me, turn me away from any reproach, etc. There's this, there's this deep cry to be connected to God, mm-hmm. and so as I pray, I, I want to pray that people will, um, will discover a sentness that sits alongside this really deep cry for a corresponding groundedness. Mm-hmm. Um, in God, where we ourselves are consistently being taught, being given understanding, being led by the Spirit ourselves, our hearts inclined in the right way, our eyes turned aside from looking at worthless things, as the psalmist says. So, mm. yeah, let's pray. Okay. Father, I thank you for everybody listening who um, has a little cry in their heart to do good in the world. 
And for the clergy who are listening, who are um, seeking to give guidance to those who are maybe just discerning their first little spark of a, a good that they want to do in the world, that you would fan into flame in them a kind of sentness. In the same way you showed Paul a vision of a man in Macedonia, in the same way that you showed Peter um, sort of a confusion or bias or prejudice or something about who you could bless as he was about to go see Cornelius. Lord, by your spirit, would you open hearts and minds and wills and our imaginations about the places and people to whom you are sending us. And Lord, alongside that being kind of flung out into the world, would you give us a corresponding grounding in you to where our hearts really do cry as the psalmist, that we would always be in touch with your love and your wisdom mm -hmm. and your direction. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the C4SO podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. Email us your thoughts and suggestions at connect at c4so.org.